Well, good morning, South Oaks Church. So glad that you are here today. Uh, this weekend, Pastor Steve and I celebrated our wedding anniversary. And we spent time at the lake and enjoyed a wonderful time together, 39 years. Okay, now, um, you probably, after hearing that, think that the wisdom of age is me talking about myself and my wisdom, but that is not it. So, um, we're in 1 in, uh, Kings chapter 2 today, and this is our second week of Wisdom and Folly about the life of King Solomon. He was the wisest man in the time that he lived, uh, the wisest man. He wrote all kinds of books uh, about animals and plant life and more, and he wrote Proverbs. Uh, he was quite a guy. In fact, people came from all over to see him uh, because of his wisdom. And uh, he is said to be the author of the books in the Bible of Song of Solomon, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. And these were written in that order in his life, uh, in his youth, in his middle age, and then in his older age. And in today's uh, passage, we're going to find some of the last words from his father, King David, to him, to Solomon. Advice from somebody who'd lived for a really long time. And it was the wisdom of age, the age of King David, the things he had learned and wanted to impart, the wisdom he wanted to impart to his son. And today, as we look at this, we can receive this advice for us, too, um, from King David. So uh, I say that we're going to receive the benefit of this, but what are some of the benefits that you could get with advice from an older, wise leader? What do you think? Experience? Making good decisions. Help you make good decisions. Avoiding some problems. Avoiding some problems, yeah. Uh, this is why um, it was good that Solomon listened to his father because he had lived a long life. And just like you said about uh, what are some benefits, he had experienced a lot of things. He could see things through the long lens of life. Uh, he understood things better. He had made some big mistakes for sure, but he knew why you shouldn't do those things. And he was the kind of person that could give some really good advice to Solomon. As we begin, as we begin uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, we, I just want to mention David here is well over 70 years old, much older than the average lifespan of the time. And his health had been failing, and he's apparently uh, knows that he's about to die, and he talk, gives this talk to his son Solomon. So let's read 1 Kings 2, verses 1 through 12. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Now you yourself know what Joab, son of Jeruiah did to me, what he did to the two commanders of Israel's armies, Abner son of Ner and Amasa son of Jether. He killed them, shedding their blood in peacetime as if in battle. And with that blood he stained the belt around his waist and the sandals of his feet. 
Deal with him according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Berezili of Gilead, and let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood by me when I fled from your brother Absalom. And remember, you have with you Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Baharun, who called down bitter curses on me the day I went to Mahanaim. When he came to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword. But now, do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom. You will know what to do to him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. Okay, so this wise king, uh, the wisdom of a life following after God. Even when he sinned, he returned to God, he repented, and Solomon would have seen this as he was growing up too, and he's giving his son here the talk about how to rule. So as we look at this today, we would say, what is the wisdom that we can learn personally for our lives? What would the king tell us today? And the first thing he would say, be strong in the Lord. That's what he told Solomon, to be strong, to be firm, courageous, and to be like a man. In other words, be like an adult. Make good adult-type decisions here. Be sure of who you are. And David was telling Solomon to live his life being strong and confident in the Lord and in who he was. This would be important because there were others who were wishing to take the throne away. Remember last week we heard about his brother and that thing that Adoniah had done, trying to take the throne. And this had a potential, because this had just happened, this had a potential to actually cause division among the people. And it would require someone who could really take charge to know who they were and to be confident in their leading. To know that they were God's person for the job. And for us today, we need to be strong too against the forces of evil that might come against us today to know what God has called us to do. In Psalm 31, 24, it says, Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. In the world around us, with all of its issues, we need to be strong in the Lord because there's nothing then that we can't face. There's no pandemic, no violence or division, nothing that can remove us from our faith, from being strong in the Lord Jesus. And there's no struggle that can overwhelm us if we find our strength in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and be strong. In Isaiah 12, 2, it says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. So, question for you, what does that mean to be strong in the Lord? To know him. To rely on him. Yeah. 
to, and to read God's word and meditate on it. Let it really get into you, into your heart, into your mind. To pray and ask God each day for the strength that you need. And be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power to enable you to face each day. The wisdom of age said to Solomon, be strong in the Lord. And then the second thing, do what God requires. Do what he asks of us to keep the charge, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands is what David told Solomon and what is there for us too. David said to Solomon, you want to do this so you can prosper. What does that mean to prosper? Well, when you look in the original language, it means to have insight, to be skillful, to have success. So he knew that when he was doing what God required, that then he would have success. Then he would have insight into how to handle this nation and how to lead it. In 1 Chronicles 28, 5-10, King David is speaking to the nation, and this is another account of that time at the end of his life. And he's saying to, to the nation, Of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, Solomon, your son is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is unswerving and carrying out my commands and laws, as is being done at this time. So here again, God had given him this point that he's relaying to Solomon about follow what the Lord asks, what the Lord requires. And then he says, now I charge you, Solomon, in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. In this passage, David says to follow God with wholehearted devotion and a willing mind because the Lord knows our minds. He knows our hearts. And that is how we have success, by following him with wholehearted devotion. David reminds Solomon here about a promise of God, and it's for us too today, and that is to seek him, and he will be found. So how does this help you to know that if you seek God and you'll be found, how does this help you to do what God requires of you? You know that he will be there to help you in the task he called you to. You know he'll be there to help you in the task he called you to. He'll show you what to do. Yeah. When we seek God and he's found, then we have all those things that God has told us we have in him when we follow him and obey him. Psalm 119.55 says, In the night, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law. Doing what the Lord requires means that we want to follow his commands living our lives as God has told us in the Bible. 
And David said that he remembered the Lord's name at night. When you go to sleep, think about the Lord. Pray to him. Ask him to give you a good night's sleep and to speak to you in dreams and visions as you sleep. And he did that. David did that so his soul and his spirit were right with God. He kept the laws of God. 1 John 3.24 says, The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So the spirit within us lets us know God, lets us be able to follow his commands. The way we're able to do this is by the Holy Spirit in us. When we're baptized or saturated is what that word actually means, when we're saturated in the Holy Spirit and in his power. And he gives us the power to keep those commands and do what the Lord requires. David gave Solomon instruction to be strong, to do what God required, and then he said, surround yourself with those you can count on. When you surround yourself with those you can count on, they give you encouragement, they have your back, and they keep you accountable to God. And this was really important for Solomon starting out as king. David had been more frail for a while as he was getting so old, and the kingdom no doubt had been without strong leadership. There were people who therefore had tried to step in because of this power vacuum. And Solomon needed to know who would have his back, who would want the best for him and the nation. And he also needed to know who would seek to take advantage or try to take the throne. David says to Solomon, there is a family you can count on. The sons of Barzillai of Gilead. David had counted on this man years earlier. In 1 Kings 2.7, he says, But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai of Gilead, and let them, be strong, let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood by me when I fled from your brother Absalom. And who was uh, Barzillai, and what did he do to help David? Well, in 2 Samuel 17, 27, and 29, uh, in this account, it says, When David came to Mahanaim, Shobi son of Nashash, from Rabbah, of the Ammonites, and Makir, son of Amiel from Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Rogalim, brought bedding and bowls and articles of pottery. They also brought wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds, sheep and cheese from cow's milk for David and his people to eat. For they said, the people have become exhausted and hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. So when Absalom took over the, the throne from David, took it from David, his, his son Absalom, and he had to leave and flee for the lives of his family and himself, and they're on the run, these people and this man came and brought all this food. I mean, when you read it, it's, it's like everything they could possibly need, they brought to them. Because when you leave in a hurry, you might not have a chance to bring everything you need. And these people, wonderful people came and helped David and his, those who were with him. Later in 2 Samuel 19, 31 and 32, when David is on his way back to the, to the throne, when Absalom's been removed, Barzillai the Gileadite also came down from Rogalim to cross the Jordan with the king and send him on his way there. Now Barzillai was very old, 80 years of age. He had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. So he had helped David on several occasions, um, especially when uh, Absalom had done this thing 
and David had to flee. And the king knew that Solomon needed to honor this man's sons and that these people should eat at his table and be part of his inner circle. Eating at the table, that meant that they were special friends. Not everybody could eat at the king's table. It was a symbol of friendship and cooperation and it was only by the invitation of the king. So he's telling Solomon, you can count on this family. The sons of this man will be good people for you to have eating at your table. And then there were others who David cautioned Solomon about and tells him, remove these people. Don't let these people be around you because he knows that Solomon's a young man, not experienced and able to handle this. I mean, in 1 Chronicles 29.1, when he's talking to the whole assembly, he says, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. So he's telling him, this guy doesn't know everything yet, and he hasn't done everything yet. He's young. Give him some grace. And because of this, David, when he's talking to Solomon alone, he tells him, remove or even put to death those who had come against me. Because <laughs> once, once David had died, there's no one who could watch out for him except Solomon himself trusting the Lord. So he's saying, you know, let me just tell you about who some of these people are. And he first calls out Joab. And Joab was the commander of the army in Israel who was just with Adoniah in El Rogel conspiring against the king, trying to take the throne because they wanted to just take it and not wait for who God had appointed. So Joab had been part of that group and he had also gone against what David had asked of him years earlier. He had killed the previous commanders of the armies of Israel and Judah under King Saul. In 2 Samuel 3, 22 to 27, it says, Just then David's men and Joab returned from a raid and brought with them a great deal of plunder. So this is talking about before David was king. But Abner was no longer with David in Hebron because David had sent him away and he had gone in peace. This man had come after Saul had died and he had come and he had tried to pledge his allegiance and David had sent him on his way in peace. And when Joab and all the soldiers with him arrived, he was told that Abner son of Ner had gone, had come to the king and the king had sent him away and he had gone in peace. So Joab went to the king and said, what have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he's gone. You know Abner, son of Ner. He came to deceive you and observe your moments and find out everything you're doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern at Sirah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into an inner chamber as if to speak to him privately, and there to avenge the blood of his brother Ashahel. Joab stabbed him in the stomach and he died. So he killed this man and he killed the other commander and he didn't need to. They were wanting to be peaceful and Abner killed him. So Joab was not to be trusted. He actually went against what uh, David had said. He didn't follow orders and he had a bad choice of who to align himself with. He was someone that Solomon could not trust in the kingdom. So what did Solomon do after he became king? Well, in verse 28 of 1 Kings 2, it says, When the news reached Joab about Abiathar the priest being sent away and someone replacing him too, 
When news reached Job, who had conspired with Adoniah, though not with Absalom, he fled to the tent of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. King Solomon was told that Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and was beside the altar. Then Solomon ordered Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, go strike him down. Benaiah entered the tent of the Lord and said to Joab, the king says, come out. But he answers, no, I will die here. Benaiah reported to the king, this is how Joab answered me. Then the king commanded Benaiah, do as he says, strike him down and bury him. So clear me and my whole family of the guilt of the innocent blood that Joab shed. The Lord will repay him for the blood he shed. Because without my father David knowing it, he attacked two men and killed them with the sword. Both of them, Abner son of Ner, commander of Israel's army, and Amasa son of Jether, commander of Judah's army, were better men and more upright than he. May the blood, the guilt of their blood, rest on the head of Joab and his descendants forever. But on David and his descendants, his house and his throne, may there be the Lord's peace forever. So they remove him. They get rid of him. Uh, to protect the kingdom and to protect himself, King Solomon had to remove Joab. The other person before David has died that he calls out to Solomon is Shimei, mentioning the bitter curses the man yelled at him when he was on the way out of Jerusalem to Manahim, when Absalom was stealing the throne. And it says in 2 Samuel 16, verses 5 through 8, as the king approached Baharim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family, came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Jerah, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, Get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then verse 13 says, So David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite of him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. Now the thing he's accusing him, him of, he didn't do. David did not kill him. That was uh, other, other forces, the Philistine forces, not, not David. So this man is working against David. And he says, you know, watch out for this guy. Have you ever known people like that? They don't get the truth, but then they go and yell at people and, and confront people about stuff that's not even true. That was this guy. And David said, this is a guy you need to watch out for. In 1 Kings 2, verses 36 to 46, it tells what happened after when Solomon was fully king. Then the king sent for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, but do not go anywhere else. The day you leave and cross the Kidron Valley, you can be sure you will die. Your blood will be on your own head. So he's giving this guy a way to live peacefully. He's saying, Build a house, stay in Jerusalem, don't go anywhere else. If you leave, it's your own fault, right? Okay. So Shimei answered the king, what you say is good. Your servant will do as my lord the king said. And Shimei stayed in Jerusalem for a long time. Okay, sounds good so far, right? Okay, but then he shows his true colors. But three years later, two of Shimei's slaves ran off to Achish, son of Makkah, king of Gath. And Shimei said, your slaves are in Gath. 
And at this, he saddled up his donkey and went to Achish and Gath in search of his slaves. So Shimei went away and brought the slaves back from Gath. Okay, not following orders. Would we all agree? When Solomon was told that Shimei had gone to Jerusalem, gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had returned, the king summoned Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you? On the day you leave to go anywhere else, you can be sure you will die. At that time you said to me, what you say is good, I will obey. Why then did you not keep your oath to the Lord and obey the command I gave you? The king also said to Shimei, you know in your heart all the wrong you did to my father David. Now the Lord will repay you for your wrongdoing. But King Solomon will be blessed and David's throne will remain secure before the Lord forever. Then the king gave the order to Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck Shimei down, and he died. Okay, so the very thing King Solomon told him not to do, to leave Jerusalem, Shimei did it. This is someone who therefore is not respecting the authority of the king, or of God for that matter, because he took the oath before the Lord. The leniency of Solomon to let him live according to what he was asked to do didn't mean that this guy could just do whatever he wanted to do. Shimei knew the deal, and he caused his own death. So that's one other person who he couldn't rely on. But the most difficult thing, no doubt, for Solomon about who could not be counted on was his own brother, Adoniah. And when we read in 2 Kings, starting at verse 13, we see this account. Now Adoniah, son of Haggith, went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. Bathsheba asked him, do you come peacefully? Good question, since he had just tried to take the throne, right? Not that long ago. He answered, yes, peacefully. Then he added, I have something to say to you. You may say it, she replied. As you know, he said, the kingdom was mine. Okay, big problem here right away. All Israel looked to me as their king, but things changed, and the kingdom has gone to my brother, for it has come to him from the Lord. Now I have one request to make of you. Do not refuse me. You may make it, she said. So he continued, please ask King Solomon, he will not refuse you, to give me Abishag, the Sulamite, as my wife. Very well, Bathsheba replied, I will speak to the king for you. When Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adoniah, the king stood up to meet her, bowed down to her, and sat down on his throne. He had a throne brought for the king's mother, and she sat down at his right hand. I have one small request to make of you, she said. Do not refuse me. The king replied, Make it, my mother. I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag, the Shunammite be given in marriage to your brother Adoniah. King Solomon answered his mother, Why do you request Abishag the Shunammite for Adoniah? You might as well request the kingdom for him. After all, he is my older brother. Yes, for him and for Abiathar the priest and Joab son of Zeruiah. So he's listing all these conspirators for the throne. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if Adoniah does not pay with his life for this request. And now, as surely as the Lord lives, he who has established me securely on the throne of my father David and has founded a dynasty for me as he promised, 
Adoniah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon gave orders to Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and he struck down Adoniah, and he died. Uh, when we read this, you see some red flags, right? Okay. But why was it so bad to have Abishag as his wife, you might think? Well, it's because she had slept next to the king for years to keep him warm. Now, it was a platonic relationship, sure. She wasn't one of his wives or one of his concubines. Yet, that's a pretty intimate uh, association with the king, right? So any interest in marrying her would have been interpreted as a challenge to the throne. Since Adoniah had once tried to take the throne while David was still alive, he probably would have gone after it again. And this trying to take Abishag and coming to Solomon's mother for the favor, kind of like if I ask his mom, his mom will tell him he has to do it, uh, shows he's being crafty and trying to get back at what he thought should really be his. He was following in the uh, footsteps of his older brother Absalom, who had tried to take the throne from his father David, as we said, and when David left Jerusalem, what Absalom had done was sleep with uh, David's concubines on the roof of the palace. Adoniah had been allowed to live. He was supposed to go home and live a quiet life, but a bad choice revealed his heart, and he also then had to die. So after these words of wisdom from David, after this time of sorting out, after David had passed away, uh, for Solomon to sort out who he could count on, to surround himself with those people he could count on and who he could trust. It tells us in 1 Kings 2 in verse 46, at the end of that verse, the kingdom was now firmly established in Solomon's hands. The wisdom of his father, King David, had helped Solomon to take the throne and make correct steps in his first days as king. So like I said, this applies to us today. Now you and I aren't assuming a throne, at least not that I'm aware of, of anyone out there. Uh, <laughs> but the words of David are as valuable to us as they were to Solomon. To be strong in the Lord. Find your strength in him. To do what God asks of us. And to surround yourself with people on the inner circle who you can count on. Would you stand with me as we close? I just ask you to, to bow your heads. Um, I have a couple questions. First is, where are you trying to get your strength? Is it finances or your abilities or others? If it isn't centered in God, whatever that may be is actually between you and God. While we can have help from others, our strength needs to come from the Lord each day. If you want to make a fresh commitment today to Jesus, to find your strength in him, just as heads are bowed, just raise your hand. Thank you. And the second question would be, are you obeying the Lord? Are you doing what he asks in his word? Or is there anything that God is asking of you that you aren't doing? Maybe you've been reading the word and you've been hearing God put on your heart to do something and you've been saying no. 
Today, if you want to say yes to Jesus Christ, yes to God, to follow him, to obey his commands, and do what he's asked you to do, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Lord God, we thank you that as we follow you, Lord, as we get our strength from you, as we uh, ask you each day for what we need, Lord God, I pray that you would be our strength. You would be our source. Lord, that we wouldn't look to things around us for that, but that we would see that you are our strength and our salvation. Lord God, I pray that um, while you give us other things to help us, while you provide for us, Lord, that that's not what we look to for our strength. We look to you. And Father, I pray that we would hear your voice clearly each day, that we would know what we are to do each day, that we would follow you clearly, take the steps we need to take to do the things that you've asked us to do. Lord God, I thank you that it's not a hard thing because you've provided your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that as we um, look to you each day, that we would also ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the strength and the power we need to follow you. Lord God, I thank you for the wisdom that we have from that, that we can have insight, we can have um, your guidance through that power of the Holy Spirit each day. Lord, we commit ourselves anew today to follow you with all of our hearts, with wholehearted devotion, in Jesus' name. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.